0: You know, for decades, America has been on a low carb phase and yet still Americans are getting bigger and heart disease is on the rise. So where did we go wrong? We're trying to fix things with this new fat revolution and a ketogenic diet approach. But the question is, why doesn't fat and cholesterol in lead to fat on the outside and cholesterol in our blood vessels? You cannot supplement your way to health but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean natural sources of supplements. I love the Zenwise omega-3 fatty acid supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to maximalbeing.com/iherb. That's I H E R B, and enter the code B is in boy, D is in dog, B is in boy, five five two eight, and receive ten percent off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. So to unpack this myth today, joining me is Dr. Hattie Wiesha, as well as Jackie, a good friend of mine in Philadelphia. As always, I am Doc Mach. I'm a therapeutic endoscopist. That's a GI doctor that specializes in cancer, pancreatic biliary disease, and I'm also a functional medicine practitioner. And joining me, as always, is Jackie.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Jackie, um, and I just read everything Doc Mock sends to me. Uh, I'm not a practicing doctor or a medical professional, but I like to read and I like to ask a lot of questions. So I'm going to keep them honest and make sure that there isn't too much jargon flying back and forth between these two geniuses. <laughs> Dr. Lisha.
2: Hello, my name is Hadi Lisha. I'm an interventional cardiologist. I intervene on blood vessels in the heart and outside the heart. I'm originally Lebanese, hence the accent, but uh, I trained in New Jersey with my good friends, and uh, I'm currently practicing in Murfreesboro and Nashville, Tennessee. Um, My background, uh, why I'm interested in this side of medicine is my, my father is an integrative medicine specialist who had a Eureka moment in the middle of his life and started exploring how to help people with chronic diseases that traditional medicine has uh, completely, not ignored, but just treated symptomatically. And uh, I try to look um, outside the box and try to answer questions that are, you know, causing the major health problems that we're facing these days. Back to you, Mark.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Hattie. And, you know, just to give you all a little backstory, when I was a resident back in beautiful New Jersey, you know, Hattie was there in the cardiac care unit you know, with me, putting those central lines in, swanning people. I learned vascular access from him. And he is just now a, a titan in the field. And so I figured who better to educate Too all kind. of you?
2: <laughs> <Too> <laughs> who better? About it. I tried to make him a cardiologist. I I, I failed miserably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> SGI doctors were a little, little simpler, but, you know. No way. <laughs> um, um, but, but anyway, I figured who better to educate all of you other than a vascular specialist. And so, you know, our story begins back in the 1960s. There was this guy by the name of Dr. Ansel Keys. You may have heard of him at some point you know, in in your uh, reading of of health literature. But he is the reason why America pioneered and started down the track of being on a low uh, fat um, phase. And, you know, he he performed this study called the Seven Countries Study published in 1963, which basically demonized fat and cholesterol. And so that's when eggs came off the breakfast table and the breakfast cereal came in. He had the ear of our government um, and, you know, big, big uh, grain came into the picture, you know, fast forward 40, 50 years, and now we have about, you know, 30 to 50% of our population is obese. So, you know, the ketogenic, ketogenic diet is not a new thing, but it certainly is revitalized. And so I figured, you know, with fat being so popular on our dinner tables now, you know, why don't we unpack why fat on the dinner table doesn't lead to to fat in those vessels? So, Jackie, I'm going to turn it to, over to you to start the the questions for Dr. L- Dr. Leisha.
1: So, Dr. Leisha, I have a lot of questions. Um, sure. So, you know, I read some information that Doc Mock sent over and it was fat isn't the bad guy, basically. Right. I grew up as many folks did saying, okay, fat in means fat out, right? if I mean a lot of fatty food, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to have heart issues. But according to the research and, you know, the myths being busted, um, that's not the case. So can you clarify like, you know, really, you know, what that looks like? What's the difference between a good fat, a bad fat, you know, and and, and why that it can actually lead to a, a healthier heart.
2: Absolutely. So the first, you know, example of you know thinking about fats being really bad for you. Thinking about the Italians and the Mediterraneans who are eating olive oil all day, every day, and they have the cleanest arteries. Of course, if they don't smoke and not diabetic. So fat is not the bad guy, but of course, fat is not all in one basket. There is good fat and bad fat. To make it simple, basically, uh, there are certain types of fat, like the fats that come from fish fat, comes from olive oil, from tree nuts, that is very rich in omega-3 fatty acids. This is what our bloodstream loves. And these are the fats that bounce off our uh, vascular cells without getting, uh, inflaming them. The The bad fats are the fats that are saturated and the fats that are already modified and processed and especially the fried fats the fried oils that become completely unstable and go and scavenge every single cell that we have and induce inflammation everywhere so fat in general is not the enemy it is the bad fats what we're talking about we're talking about fried foods we're talking about processed food We're talking about um, uh, chips and obviously, you know, things that make sense. But there are fats that are amazing for your heart, like olive oil, like macadamias, like uh, avocados, like um, uh, fish. All these are actually make you live longer, better and make you leaner, paradoxically so.
0: Yeah, Dr. Leisha alluded to, you know, these uh, societies that we have across the world that are called blue zones. And these are people that kind of go against traditional standard American standard medical practices in terms of their diet, eating a high fat intake, but a lot of poly and monounsaturated fats, and they live long and healthy lives. Now, as an aside, a lot of these people move a lot, they get 20,000 steps a day on average, uh, regardless of their age, actually. And so, you know, whether it's the movement, the food, it's probably, you know, all of those things. Um, But the blue zones, those, that's where this whole fat paradigm began to be unpacked. Again, Um, you mentioned saturated fats. And, you know, this is kind of a highly debatable topic, you know, are saturated fats all bad or or is just trans fats the enemy
2: so the trans fat is the biggest enemy of all uh, if if there's if you want to really focus on one thing it's the trans fats now saturated fat obviously this is not conventional teaching and these are you know new literature that has come out in the last 15 to 20 years saturated fat in large quantities does induce plaque formation in the heart vessels and the rest of the body but in reasonable amounts, especially if it's grass-fed beef or grass-fed pork, whatever, everything natural in small quantities, is uh, that is made like is eaten exactly the same way as it's made as our good Lord has made it. That's the fat that is naturally um, uh, healthy and in small quantities, of course, you know, if you're eating a steak every single day, that's not the best thing for you. But a grass fed piece of meat once a week is actually okay. And uh, it's way better than all the other fried foods and the trans fats that you see on the shelf, that is quote unquote, heart healthy.
1: I've got a question, just to break it down. um, As I said, I'm going to keep you all honest here. So if I'm deducing that saturated fat is just fat naturally occurring in in a protein, right? So if I have a piece of beef, right, depending on the cut, there's fat in there. Is that like an example of saturated fat, um, or is can is saturated fat in you know in other places we find our food, right?
2: So saturated fat is mostly from a- animal products, but you can find it also in coconut, uh, coconut milk, coconut oil. There are other plants that do have saturated fat, but the large majority of saturated fat is animal-based. Okay. And non-marine animal-based most of the time.
0: Yeah. And, and the difference between that as opposed to what we deem the bad fats, the trans fats, is that when you're looking at the molecular structure, those of you that are watching this on YouTube, you can see that, like, you know, doing your football um you know, end zone marker is a cis fat. That's a good fat. But when the markers twist this way and your hydrogen ions are on different sides of the um, of the, um, the goal post there, that's a bad fat. And, and also, you know, our scientists have developed ways to jam hydrogen ions in the other seats in the fat car, hydrogenating them. So that's for things like Crisco. Those things are even worse because they have been created and they, they lead to free radical formation within your cells. So they damage your DNA. Um, there also was a study that looked at people that had coconut oil uh, every single day apart from their fat content. And those people did have higher rates of uh, coronary artery disease over about a 10-year time span. But again, if you fit that into your normal macronutrient intake, coconut oils are actually fairly good for you. And I have it in my coffee almost every single day. Um, So we talked about the, the fat in your food. Hattie, how does that fat in your food translate into cholesterol inside of your blood vessels? And, and, you know, what, what are the, how does that food, that food get from your gut all the way into your blood vessel and clog up your heart?
2: And it's a GI doctor who's asking me, but I'm going to do my best. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously the fats. So basically we have what we call digestive enzymes. Whenever we ingest something, our digestive enzymes go to work and they divide those food particles into smaller little particles that the cell can absorb and uh, through multiple processes that we're not gonna go through, but uh, they end up on the bloodstream side with small fat particles. Uh, Those particles are called chylomicrons. Chylomicrons means a big fatty bubble basically that has proteins in them and has fats and has cholesterol. Then there are multiple enzymes in the, in the liver itself. So all these globe, uh, particles go into a vein called the portal vein into the liver. And the liver is the biggest industrial uh, you know station of the body. This is where most uh, chemical reactions happen. And the liver basically starts dividing up those chylomicrons into different particles Some of them are called VLDL, which is very low density uh, uh, cholesterol, then lipoproteins, then you have the LDL, which are low density lipoproteins, and you have the HDL, which is the high density lipoproteins. Uh, All these, it's it's kind of alphabet soup, but uh, let's kind of make it simple. HDL is the very, very good guy. You want to have a lot of HDL in your, in your bloodstream. These are what we call the literally the garbage collectors. These are the garbage trucks circulating in our body, collecting trash from everywhere and throwing it back to the liver. HDL. LDL is a low-density lipoprotein. And when we say low, high, this is based on their weight on electrophoresis Uh, It's a scientific way to differentiate between um, molecules. LDL is a type of cholesterol that in general um, can cause plaque formation, but putting it all in one category is not fair. There are different types of LDL. The LDL that comes from certain food sources can be big and fluffy LDL. These are the big particles that bounce around and don't get underneath the lining of the blood vessels. And there's the small and dense LDL. These are the nasty ones that come from Crisco, trans fats, fried food, uh, all the uh, processed food and the hydrogenated uh, uh, oils that uh, Dr. Mark was talking about. So the LDL in general is bad, but specifically small and dense LDL is the worst. And the more particles we have, the worse it is. The less particle, the better it is. And VLDL is a very low-density lipoprotein, which is kind of the mother of some of those proteins that give rise to triglycerides and to cholesterol. What is triglycerides? It's a form of fat that is... um, you know, it has a specific molecular structure uh, that is described separately on your lipid profile. So whenever you get a lipid profile, a lipid panel, you have an LDL, HDL, and triglyceride in general. You want the triglyceride to be less than 150. You want the HDL to be in men more than 45 and women more than 55. And LDL, depending on the fact you have heart disease versus not, if you're diabetic versus not, the lower, the better, basically. Uh, But long story short, the theory about cholesterol in the diet causing high LDL cholesterol in the blood is just too simple. It has been proven to be wrong for so long. And unfortunately, the entire Western world is paying the price for that.
1: You know, uh, Dr. Lee, you brought up something that struck a chord in one of my memory. When I was about 24, um, I was following all the bro science. I was eating chicken breast, broccoli, and brown rice, working out all the time. I mean, I heard oatmeal is good for lowering your cholesterol. I thought cholesterol period was bad. I don't want it. So I'll have an oatmeal every morning and I'll come out for years, even to this day, and I went to the doctor, and doctor said, "Hey, your cholesterol is too low." And I thought, "Oh, well, thanks, doc." You know, yeah. I thought that was a, uh, you know, I was like, he was telling how healthy I was, but he said, "No, you need you need cholesterol." And, you know, and I never ate fish; I wasn't a big seafood, so I didn't have salmon or halibut. And he said, "You need to have these in there." So, can you just talk a little bit about like w- how important the good cholesterol is and how it protects your body and make sure that, you know, the, the bros like me out there who's just eating chicken and broccoli, you know, are really have a big blind spot when it comes to our, our, our health and our, you know, cardiovascular health.
2: Absolutely. So cholesterol is a major building block of our body. It's, it's part of every single cell. You need cholesterol to function on daily basis. It's a major Mm -hmm. component of the cell of the, of the, membrane of every cell, literally the the barrier that uh, keeps our cell healthy. It is also a major component of the major stress hormones that would allow us to survive and to uh, make like, for example, cortisone, some mineral corticoid, which are um, specific hormones that allow for uh, the metabolism of salt and potassium in the body. And it's a major building block of the brain and of the heart and the kidneys and some of the major organs in the body. Of course, the circulating cholesterol is different than the cholesterol that we have in ourselves. And it is genetically predetermined how much of this cholesterol circulates in the bloodstream and how much inflammation one has based on genetic and environmental factors. And basically... Cholesterol is not the enemy. It's the small and dense LDL, low-density particle cholesterol that we want to try to minimize to lower possible. But HDL, you have people with total cholesterol more than 200, and an HDL of 80 or 90 high-density cholesterol. That is not a bad thing. Uh, that's that's usually very much consistent with a heart-healthy Cardiovascular with a healthy cardiovascular system. So, in general, we cannot simplify things. It's way more complicated than that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the early literature on LDL cholesterol, is kind of an endpoint about there was a 30% improvement in outcomes for people that have cardiovascular disease where you're able to um, lower the LDL cholesterol. And then on the other end, in a lot of the studies, there was only a small fraction, you know, less than 40% of patients that um, had an elevated LDL at the time of their biocardial infarction. So, you know, it's interesting that our scientific community has kind of made it a linear relationship for so many years and that people haven't led on to it being much more complicated, you know, like you're expressing.
2: Absolutely. And I can tell you, I practice interventional cardiology. I literally intervene on people with heart attacks every single day. And I can't even tell you that I have hundreds of patients, hundreds who have the most perfect LDL cholesterol that you can see. And they're still coming in with inflamed heart arteries, clots everywhere, where we have to stent and stent and bypass and do things. So of course, LDL is, it is a factor that leads to the development of plaque, but it needs the right environment. And it's not the only factor. It's one of the risk factors. People who just focus on that um, are just looking at, basically tunnel visions uh, there. And, and we can talk about the risk factors and everything else, but it's not all about the LDL.
0: Yeah. So, so to that note, what are some additional things that people should be looking for? You know, if it isn't just cholesterol and it isn't just numbers.
2: Perfect. So first of all, the, uh, of course, smoking is even worse than LDL. It's, uh, you know, those 7,000 chemicals circulating in your bloodstream cause so much inflammation and so much damage to the blood vessels that it's one of the major risk factors. Number two, diabetes. Diabetes is one of the most notorious diseases because it doesn't lead to symptoms until it's too late. And all the what we call advanced glycated byproducts of diabetes, meaning the byproducts of the elevated sugars go into those cells and start the process of inflammation and start the formation of the plaque. So diabetes, no good. The obviously the overweight status by itself, even if someone's exercising, has a higher inflammatory status and it's a pretty complex metabolic picture and can lead to plaque formation. Of course, uh, high blood pressure, so imagine having the most beautiful cholesterol lipid panel, but your vessels are being bombarded every day with pressure, pressure, and pressure. And when that happens, of course, the body is going to form a scar. It's going to defend itself. And this is the background of inflammation that leads to plaque formation. And, of course, stress, psychological stress, and the fact that people are not, you know, uh, meditating enough or not spending enough time by themselves or kind of going back to themselves and being pushed around all the time uh, through multiple complex mechanisms going from the brain through the hormones, through the adrenal glands can lead to uh, worsening inflammation. And finally, this is like a basically plaque formation is basically a recipe that has multiple risk factors associated with it. And to simplify it, it is mostly, uh, if you divide up the major factors that lead to it, number one would be small and dense LDL cholesterol. Number two would be inflammation coming from lifestyle or other factors. Number three, blood sugars and the byproducts of those. And number four, free radicals that also combine with the inflammation pathway and lead to that. And the two other mechanisms are vasoconstriction, where the blood vessels start constricting, which leads to more inflammation. And finally, platelet activation. Platelets are small cells in our bloodstream that basically form clot. And the more they're activated, it's a kind of a vicious, vicious cycle of bad things happening. I know it's too complicated, but um, <laughs> we can talk about each one in in detail, but that's kind of the big picture.
0: I think, I think you did a great job kind of breaking everything down into its component parts and just making people aware that there is so much more happening under the surface than just like cholesterol plopping its way on there. In yeah. fact, you look at babies. You know, unfortunately, they do have autopsy studies of babies and even babies that You know, come out of the womb have plaque in their arteries, and they haven't eaten a single you know bucket of Crisco or you know Cheeto yet. So how do they get the plaque? So there's it's a much more complicated mechanism, like you were alluding to.
2: And you know, the biggest message is also a lot of people blame it on family history. You know, I see a lot of patients. Oh, my dad, my father, my my grandfather. That's true, but. I can easily tell you that 70% of heart disease is at least environmental, at least acquired. Now, your dad having heart disease, of course, uh, has to do with genetics, but your dad maybe lived an unhealthy life. You know, you can't just, family history does not equal genetic predisposition. So uh, genetic predisposition is also not one gene, multiple genes in the right environment, so people who feel doomed, oh, I have a family history, whatever I do, it's gonna to happen to me. That's not right. You can, you can reverse all of that.
0: So so what can we do to reverse that? What, what lifestyle interventions Perfect. can we follow to improve cardiovascular?
2: Health? So obviously this will depend on, we have a tool in cardiovascular medicine to calculate the cardiovascular risk of every person based on their age, their weight, their blood pressure, their blood sugar, and cholesterol levels, and smoking status. Overall, it's a very quick app. You can actually find it anywhere. Uh, based on that cardiovascular risk, we determine what's the most important step. But uh, things that work for everybody, even people who do not have heart disease, who just wants to, want to start prevention, primordial prevention. So number one is obviously making sure that you're eating healthy. And w- what is eating healthy? The m- most recent data show that a Mediterranean type diet rich with the full good fats, of fish, um, tree nuts, um, uh, uh, all the Mediterranean type food, including even red wine, believe it or not, one or two glasses of red wine uh, obviously, in moderation. Once you pass that, it's it's actually not good. A lot of green vegetables. These are powerhouses of not only micro and macronutrients but anti-inflammatories. So, diet is the core of lifestyle. Before you do anything else, even if you exercise every single day at the gym, if you're eating processed food, uh, that you're not really gonna protect yourself. Number two exercise, aerobic exercise. You can do it the way you like. There are no, there are certain types of exercise that are not recommended from a cardiovascular disease, from a cardiovascular standpoint, like really super heavy chest press, a lot of heavy weight lifting that raises blood pressure a lot during these episodes. Uh, High intensity training, aerobic exercise is actually pretty healthy. Uh, There are a lot of things you can do, but most of the time exercise is actually very good for you uh, three is keeping healthy weight of course keeping it what we call a body mass index less than 25 optimally but uh, you know reasonably less than 27 28 would be okay but 25 would be perfect um, and of course going to your doctor checking your blood pressure making sure your blood blood pressure even in the healthiest people is very, very unfair. You can have the healthiest people with high blood pressure and they, they deny it and they're you know, killing themselves and oh, my blood pressure is so high and they're physicians, they're healthy, they do everything and they're still having high blood pressure. So if you don't fix that, you're gonna end up in trouble. Uh, getting a lipid panel once a year with your family doctor and analyzing this depending on your cardiovascular risk if you need a medication versus not. Um, And of course, making sure your blood sugars are within good control. And finally, um, trying to stay away from stress. I know this is a conceptual theoretical impossible in 2021, but the least possible as much time as you can get to, for yourself, to take care of yourself and uh, to try to kind of detoxify all the bad stuff going on around us. So basically, this is a recipe for a long, happy life, not only from a cardiovascular standpoint, but from a cancer standpoint, GI standpoint, you name it, every single organ in the body would benefit from that.
1: That's, that's a pretty good point. It seems, you know, as, uh, as the more you, you talk about the things that are good for you, you know, it's, you know, the, the human body is like a system, right? And so if one system starts to fail, the other systems that are connected to it, start to fail as well. So it's, it's like, if you focus and, and really be mindful on, okay, let's start being heart healthy, right. Just through collateral, you're going to make everything else on the right path, you know, Absolutely. cause you know, looking at these things, you know, it would, it would be something that, you know, Doc Mock would say, right. With good health, right. be healthy, eat, eat well, exercise, take care of yourself mentally. Um, so, you know, that, that's that's really great. You know, um, I have one quick question for going to break. Sure. Um, cereal. Right. You see it all the time. You say, hey, special, you know, I don't want to say any brains, but, you know, this, you know, this special brand of cereal is to help your heart. It's heart healthy. You know, these grains are good for you. You know, you know, are there cereals out there, you know, or is, is there something we should look for? Should we avoid it? You know, what, what's your, your view on there?
2: And uh, first of all, you know, in all fairness, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm a heart doctor. But of course, you know, I read the literature and, you know, with my bias and my background, I personally, and this is not a recommendation, I, I'm completely against cereal because they're Man, you know, when did we start eating cereal? Probably 50 years ago, right? Like, you know, when the when all this what uh, Doc Mark was talking about with Ansel Keys and the alternatives and all the uh, food incentives for corn and the government contracts and the massive production of all of that. Obviously, all of this is controversial. But uh, aside from the political side, from a pure medical side. It's concentrated sugars, concentrated carbohydrates that are not eaten in the natural state that you are trying to eat in literally two minutes and your body is just overwhelmed with it. The insulin spike is unbelievably high. Now you can find some cereals that do not have sugar and have oatmeal and more fibers, but in general, I do not think it's a natural way to eat. And I do not recommend it for my patients. If someone enjoys it once in a while, everything in moderation, that's fine. But every single day having it at breakfast, I would not recommend it. But that's personal. And I cannot make this as a recommendation. We'll see what Doc Mark thinks.
0: Yeah, I I 100% agree. You know, from a GI perspective, about 80% of our population is gluten sensitive, uh, whether it be a diagnosable you know, westernized medical condition like celiac disease or whether it be non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Just the wheat that we cultivate is a strain called dwarf wheat and dwarf wheat is a strain that which our body cannot physically recognize the gluten protein as something that is natural and therefore we mount an immune reaction. And as we discussed in our little talk on atherogenesis, inflammation is central to the development of plaques in our heart. And so if we're creating inflammation in our gut, that inflammation doesn't just stay in your intestine. It's going to get out to different places too. And it's going to lead to development of atherogenesis. And then also, you know, you, if you eat fat while you're, you know, burning fat all night, you're going to continue to burn fat during the day. But if you add in carbs, you switch over to your carb mechanism, your fat stays where it is. And so that belly fat you have, it, it's going to stay stay put. So back Absolutely. to you. Yeah. Back to you, Jackie.
1: Well, uh, that's, that's a tough message for me as a, I mean, I used to be a very huge uh, cereal enthusiast as uh, Doc Mock may know, but I've since gotten off the process stuff. So, you know, I'm 60 days clean now so i'm getting my chip soon very proud of myself but uh no you know uh we're gonna take a quick break um you know we're here with uh dr leisha and doc mock and jackie p the layman um and we'll be back shortly after this message what's going on maximal Beans? it's doc mock here
0: many of you are returning to the gym now but some are not going back regardless of what you plan rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to maximalbeing.com slash rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to maximalbeancom Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. And we're back. Um, so, you know, coming back from the break, you know, just to summarize, we've gone through the whole process of cholesterol, lipids, we've talked about formation of plaques in the heart. You know, this is where Dr. Alicia comes in and saves your life in the middle of the night, uh, as I've seen him do time and time again, you know, standing there at the bedside. But we're going to just dive a little bit deeper into the super nerdy science, into two molecules called uncoupling proteins and PPARs. Um, so PPAR has kind of two flavors to it, PPAR alpha and PPAR gamma. PPAR alpha and gamma are fairly new compounds. They're, they're fi- found in the 1990s and PPAR alpha has been found to actually elevate your good cholesterol levels. So there's potential to clear lipids from the blood. Now PPAR gamma can increase insulin sensitivity and therefore lower blood glucose. And as we discussed in, in the first segment, you know, both of those things would be really valuable to improving cardiovascular disease. Um, So, you know, Dr. Leisha, it's all well and good. You know, we we found these PPARs in in the lab and rats and things like that. But how does that translate into clinical practice? And, you know, do the medications that we create against these, do they actually work for heart disease?
2: Let me make it simple, uh, as simple as we can. I think to translate this to real life, the way... Uh, this can be conceptualized is all through one central big mechanism called insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is the mother of most of the modern world diseases. Every single organ in the body gets affected by it. And I don't mean diabetes. I'm talking about insulin resistance, that major hormone that regulates blood sugar and is connected to inflammation, metabolism, Uh, vasoconstriction, vasodilatation, uh, clot formation. So all the mechanisms that lead to insulin resistance lead to cardiovascular disease, dementia, macular degeneration of the eye, chronic kidney problems, fatty liver, you know, NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, and Uh, all the skin conditions related to today's diet. But basically how does the body become insulin resistant is when you overwhelm it with so much carbohydrates. And I'm talking about the processed carbohydrates, not the slow release carbohydrates that you find in green vegetables and some of the low glycemic fruits, um, uh, fruits with low glycemic index when the body reacts so highly with such a spike of insulin, then over time, we we get overwhelmed. We store and we store and we store all these carbohydrates in the form of fats to a point where we cannot store anymore. And basically, this is where problems start to happen. And this is linked to inflammation, free radical. All of these are interconnected mechanisms. But to link it to a layperson's understanding it's all about insulin resistance. And how do we decrease insulin resistance? meaning how we make our bodies more responsive to insulin is by exercising. you you open up the floodgates of all these transporters that go onto the uh, muscle cells that transport the glucose back into the cell so it can do its job. and uh, by eating healthy by minimizing uh, direct carbohydrates and sugars and processed food by stressing less, by maintaining a healthy weight, by um, just avoiding all the toxic materials and the pollution around us. So long story short, insulin resistance is the center of the Western syndrome, like I call it.
0: Yeah, and it turns out that when we try to block these PPARs in the lab, it doesn't necessarily correlate to improvements in the health of our heart. And the reason being, there are genetic differences and there are differences in the way our genes get expressed. And I think the best example of this for all of you out there, given the fact that it's a new year that have started on keto, you've already lost five, 10 pounds. You know, you've lost your water weight from the glycogen stores, right? now it's time for you to actually start losing fat and you don't make it and you think oh my god i'm a failure i didn't lower my carbs enough something like that assuming you're doing clean keto but actually some of you may have ppar gamma deficiency and that's a fairly common genetic problem that people have And, and the fact is that we put people on these fad diets and a lot of people fail and it's due to these small differences in your genetics, and the way those genes are made and expressed in our body that lead to differences in the diet. So that's why you need somebody that knows what they're talking about that can work with you through these nuances and create a plan that's right for you as an individual. Now, Jackie, you were uncoupling a little bit this weekend and it's not what you think, listeners, okay? It's not what you think. (laughs) But Jackie, what what do I mean by that? What were you uncoupling this weekend?
1: So, um, you know, I... Uh, per doc mock read a little bit about um, uh, 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 how do I say therma, therma, thermogenesis yeah thermogenesis <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and how you know exercising in the cold right that makes your m- muscles shiver um, can actually help to you know that, it actually has a lot of benefits. So um, me I'm you know I'm Haitian, I'm Caribbean. I'm born and raised in South Florida. So I'm a tropical person down to my soul. So I like to be warmer. However, I've been introducing a little bit of cold into my life. Um, so what that looks like is, you know, go outside, do some jump rope in the cold. Not too long. I'm a tropical person. So, but just in little bits, because the benefits, right, uh, for the PPARs and the un- And the uncoupling, the UCPs, um, right. Alphabet soup, um, have, you know, there's just health benefits. So, um, that's what I've been introducing to my health and fitness regimen to, you know, help just be more maximal and, you know, and be healthier. Um, you can explain that a little bit better than I can, what the uncoupling and, and how that works, but, just be cold. If you're in the Northeast, go and be cold a little bit.
0: No, I, (laughs) I can't say it even more eloquently than that. Uncoupling proteins are, are activated. There are these compounds again, recently discovered and one, uncoupling protein number two can lower your blood glucose uncoupling protein. Number one can lower plaques inside of your arteries and uncoupling protein. Number three can actually get rid of the gunk in your cells and your mitochondria, the powerhouses, that can damage your powerhouses and make it inefficient called uh, free radicals. Um, And so things like cold thermogenesis, you know, when, when you're from, you know, South Florida and you're standing out in Philadelphia, cold weather, you're uncoupling just by standing outside, maybe shivering a little bit, you know, menthol topical lotion on the part of your body that you're trying to uncouple actually does have some benefit for activating the same uncoupling proteins, um, that cold thermogenesis does, you know, taking a cold shower for 30 seconds on, and then going back to that nice, comfy, warm, um, or even just driving to work without a jacket or without your heat blasting and having a jacket on each little step will get you some degree of uncoupling. And then also intermittent fasting, which, you oh, yeah. know, there, we had a great guest on, on our, our podcast there, um, in Philadelphia. <laughs> I think Jackie has a few questions as we're wrapping up here for Dr. Leisha. I do.
2: Before Jackie, before we get there, it's something that you guys just talked about the intermittent fasting. That's one major way of also decreasing insulin resistance by allowing the body to use your own fats and going through the mechanisms. But there's a recent study published in a traditional American culture of cardiology journal, that combined intermittent fasting with Mediterranean and uh, uh, Mediterranean diet, that combination of fasting then eating Mediterranean um, has been the most powerful lifestyle intervention for decreasing cardiovascular disease. So uh, it's pretty powerful. So skipping a meal, it is traditionally frowned upon, but, We're finding out more and more that this lines up with our ancestors millions of years ago who did not have fridges everywhere and used to feast and then go fast for a few days and then feast and fast. So um, that is not really a bad thing for the body. And combining exercise with intermittent fasting and uh, this lifestyle is something that's also super healthy and minimizes inflammation cancer predisposition
1: uh, all the modern diseases interesting so all those uh all those uh you know movie uh montage of these guys training in the cold right i guess they were on to something They we're just making cool 1980s action sequences that's good to know um that's good that's how i feel anyway when i'm out in the cold doing jump rope <laughs> I don't know if that's how I've seen him. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel. Um, but you know, uh, I I did have a couple questions, Dr. Alicia. Um, and, and these are, you know, just, just for folks out there who are listening to this, who, you know, maybe this is the first time they are listening. And, you know, if you think about all the changes in, in all this, it, it can be overwhelming. Right. Um, so like I would love to just know a couple things uh, like just simple, right? You know, what is your, your favorite exercise, right? That's something that you do maybe for a long time, you know, just something that you say, Hey, this is something I can do. I love it. It helps me helps the heart. You know, what, what would you say is your, your favorite?
2: I got, uh, you know, brands put apart, but I got addicted to Peloton. It's unbelievable. You know, the convenience, the, all the programs that they do, the, the instructors that, are extremely smart so cycling is my favorite it used to be running but with all the uh, you know wear and tear and all the stuff that we do to our bodies I found it a little bit less stressful and it's very you can choose whatever stage you want to do you can go high intensity you can so that's the uh, the flexibility that I like about and you can fit it anytime throughout the day
1: Okay. Okay. I, I cycle myself. No big deal. Um, one, uh, so speaking of, you know, the ketogenic diet, right. We remember the Atkins back in the day, it's, it might still be around, right? What is the craziest diet that you've either tried or heard of?
2: You know, I've always been a Mediterranean type person. I'm originally Mediterranean. I'm Lebanese, so I grew up in that kind of diet. I've always enjoyed it, and I've seen people around me eat it all day, every day, and not gain weight uh, with lots of healthy fats. But in terms of uh, craziest diet, you know, there are some people who take ketogenic diet to an extreme where everything is processed, everything is boxed, and – packaged and all of that it's just um, it's just not right and it's not sustainable and you're introducing tons of chemicals with that if you can do a ketogenic diet and you like it do it naturally so i wouldn't say it's the craziest diet but I-, I just cringe whenever i see people just with bars and they're having you know it's not natural it's not sustainable and it's going to cause a problem at some point
1: so, so they they took it to the extreme. Like they, right. they took a good idea and then they went all the way to the.
2: It's the, the processing part too, you know. Very keto. You know, yeah. someone just like eating coconut oil, like you know, yeah. without anything else. I mean, you know, some yeah. people take it to an extreme. You can't do that. Just block and cheese in moderation. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> Every meal just a block of
1: cheese. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, and what, what would you say is your, this, this is a two-part question. Um, what's your favorite health book? Like he
2: started to interrupt you, but he said black and cheese, that, that made something come to my mind. So the Europeans, you know, they're extremely proud of their cheeses, especially the Western Europeans and they did their best to confirm that this you know, dairy by itself, is not directly associated with cardiovascular disease. There are a lot of recent trials that were published and presented at major conferences in the European and American meetings that show that there are some proteins within cheeses that have a lot of saturated fat that prevent those proteins, prevent the absorption of the fat in a way that doesn't lead to inflammation and Significant elevation of the small and dense LDL particles. So there are certain types of cheeses. You see, the French eat tons of cheese, the Italians, mm. the Danish, the Scandinavian. Uh, obviously, everything in moderation. Uh, if you eat a lot, you're going to end up in trouble. But a, a small amount is actually relatively okay because the nature has made it in a way where there's a protein that avoids the absorption of certain types of uh, nasty fats that cause damage and inflammation. That's might,
0: interesting. I al- might I also just add, um, before we get to our last question that our cows are different in Europe and America. That's, That's right. The cows here. Not, not only are they right. a one versus a two, but right. you know, the ones with the spots versus the Brown cows, right? Uh, the ones that make more lactose, but also our cows are fed grain and exactly. so the the dairy products that we're eating have the grain. And we already talked about what grain does. So
2: absolutely.
1: <laughs> back to you, Jackie <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. American cows. Uh, okay. And so there's a two part question. Um, one would be for your personally, and, and maybe one to start off for someone who's maybe dipping their toe into pain, being more conscious with their health. So the, the first question is, What's your favorite health book and why? And the follow-up question, and this may be the same answer. Um, you know, if someone walked off, you know, the street and said, "Hey, listen, I I just want to start making changes and start the path, right? You know, it may not be all in one lump sum change, but just start paying more attention, being conscious. What would you say would be a good book or resource uh, for that person as well?
2: This is obviously outside my, you know, kind of specialty in what I do and, you know, the pure interventional cardiology part, but the most fascinating book I've read recently is The Planned Paradox by Stephen Gundry. I know he's very famous on YouTube and all of that, but he deserves it. He's a cardiovascular surgeon who has done hundreds, if not thousands of operations, has seen heart disease and has Uh, been very, very uh, mindful of the relationship between nutrition and cardiovascular disease and has that theory of lectin. And I'd like to see what Dr. Mark thinks about that, that those certain proteins that induce inflammation and the immune system in our gut and cause leaky gut syndrome, which starts the mechanism of bad health. So, of course, nobody has the whole truth. And all of us have parts of the truth. But I think he is close to uh, kind of getting to the mechanism of leaky gut syndrome, which is the basis of our health. If someone has a good gut and basically doing everything that we discussed, usually they're in extremely good health. And the plant paradox with the theory of lectin has been extremely fascinating to me, especially from someone who has the same background as I am. So I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah. That man, you know, was a cardiothoracic surgeon and left the knife behind to start a functional medicine practice. And, you know, I think the case in point to do lectins do harm on your gut is, you know, eat a meal of just all beans and see how you feel you know, dur- during and after, see how your spouse feels exactly. during and after. <laughs> uh, and case in point, you know, lectins are not great for your gut, but they're also, I-, I really think his argument about certain plants being harmful is right. a really fascinating one. And I think it just alludes to why we need to eat local, right? You need to, if tomatoes are not in season right now, so eating tomatoes that aren't canned or preserved is not good for your body because they've been flown from somewhere else and they've just gathered a bunch of harmful compounds. So. Right. Love that book.
2: Absolutely.
0: Back to you, Jack. And then uh, Jackie also asked what, you know, if, if you were coming off the street and and I said, you know, what, what was the one thing that I could do to improve my health? You know, what would it be? Um one thing, yeah.
2: Obviously, avoid you know sodas. That would be like one major intervention. And if you don't like sodas, just uh, trying to eat natural, as natural as you can. A big bowl of salad every day. And even if you don't exercise, even if you don't have the time, things are gonna add up in your life where you're gonna get there. But uh, if you have to intervene somewhere, start with diet diet is the core of good health. And you can again, of course, exercise, we love it. But you can exercise a lot and still be unhealthy. So diet is the core of good health. That's what I would say.
0: Jackie, do you just want to summarize what we learned today? And then we'll wrap up?
2: Yes.
1: Um, I feel like I'm about to do a, a, a presentation, a book report, summarize. Um, yeah. So I I think there's just not a literal, a lineal connection with fat in bad health. Um, I think based off advertising, right, from food brands, and you know, just I guess bad research in the past. You know, me sp- specifically as well has been guilty of just thinking, okay, this food is low fat, right? You know, this packaging it says, oh, it's low fat, that means it's healthier, but it's not that simple. You know, there's good fats, right, that come from good sources like, you know, seafood, your salmon, or, you know, tree nuts, right, avocado. And these are important because they contribute to a healthy heart and your heart keeps you going. So you got to make sure you have a healthy heart. And there's no such thing as just bad cholesterol, right? There's cholesterol that helps and we're made of cholesterol. So it's important to distinguish, you know, what is good and what is bad. And really, if I were to sum it all up, it's eat something that's closest to what it looked like when it came out of the ground.
2: 100%.
1: If it's in a box, if it has to last long, that means there's something in there that didn't come out of the ground. And if you can exercise and move around a bit, that helps as well. And if you can do it in the winter and make a cool montage, That'll also help and help you look cool <laughs> on Instagram. Um, but it's really just being mindful of what you eat, you know, paying attention to where the, the food is coming from. I have been trying myself, Doc Mock, to, to eat locally. Right. But being in the Northeast is a little bit more difficult, but it, it can be done. And also be happy. Yeah. Um, you know, we we uh, we have a choice every day to wake up and and, and put a smile on or put on a frown. And uh, studies show and uh, that put a smile on actually helps. Um, so keep, you know, stay on top of those things and, you know, you'll start getting in better shape and feeling better and being a better you.
2: That's a great, great, uh, you know, thing. And obviously that's a whole topic on its own, you know, mental health and happiness and is so important. And I have hundreds of examples of patients who have made it through the most difficult times. But one last note on my end is I don't blame people for eating what they're eating. And of course, everybody has their choice in actively seeking good food, but you go to airports and you walk and walk through food, you know, so there's a food desert out there. There's not even one choice in an entire airport that you can eat that's healthy for you, unless you brought it yourself. So I really hope some genius entrepreneur who has this background in health, maybe Doc Mock can do that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, kind of start a fast food chain, fast food chain. Yes, you heard me right. Fast food chain. You can do fast food in a super healthy way that your body would love. That keeps you in shape, keeps you sharp, no mental fog, no heart disease, no dementia, no fatty liver and keeps you in shape. It is doable. And unfortunately the food industry follows the people and the people follow the food industry. It's like that vicious cycle of bad things. Uh, I wish we can break that by showing that you can make a huge business out of heart healthy fast food. And I hope it happens in my lifetime.
0: So uh, th- this has been an amazing chat. I- I'd like to, again, thank Jackie P, uh, good friend, fasting ninja, you know, hilarious uh, guy that's managing everybody's money. And uh, Stop it. Patty Leisha, <laughs> who is fixing blood vessels, coming in in the middle of the night to save lives and who has taught me so much over the years. Um, I'd like to thank all of you out there for your community. And that, you know, again, I just think we have such wonderful and supportive people here at Maximal Being. And so without further ado, I'm Doc Mock here with Jackie P and Dr. Hattie Leisha, and we are here to maximize your pathway to wellness. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know, that way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.